everyone. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Donna Carrick, your host of Dead to Rights, the podcast, and I'm here today on behalf of the Maydams of Mayhem to introduce you to Rosalind Place, who is one of our Maydams for several years now and um, has had stories in a number of our anthologies. Now, in this current anthology, Roz has got a story titled A Faint Disturbance of Hope. And that will appear in In the Spirit of 13, which is coming out in the fall of 2022. Hi, Rosalind. How are you this morning? Hi, I'm just fine. Thanks. Good. I really want to talk to you about this story because um, it starts with a very poetic feel. I mean, I just love the feel and it draws on the past. It's got images of the past. It begins, I am walking in the past again, not my own past. It has never been so clear. Tell us where this poetic prose of yours comes from. Is this something you've always had in your writing style or has it developed over the years? It's interesting. I think I've always had it. I, I don't really know where it comes from. When I was in my 20s, I did write poetry for a while. But I, I find that when I'm writing, it's almost like I'm listening to music in a way. And I think maybe that has some effect on how it's how it uh, reads when, yeah. Yes, yes. I think uh, Janet Fitch said, and she was the author of White Oleander, and uh, she said one time that before she writes, she always reads the poets because that brings the poetic voice into her prose, you know. Um, and I do think there's something to that that. If you study the poets, this is going to come into your voice. And I've noticed it with your last couple of stories. Now, tell us about your character. She is drawn to memories of her mother. Who is she and why is she so drawn to these memories? Well, I suppose she's a bit of a lost soul. I think that um, part of what I was, I suppose, writing about in the story was this idea that... Um, something that happens in the past in someone else's life can have a huge impact on the, on, on the person, yes. who, on the daughter or, or whoever it is in the family. So I think I was trying to deal with that idea that um, her mother makes a particular decision in her life and that decision haunts the mother, but it also ends up haunting the daughter. So yes. I, that's kind of what I was working with. And I think that's very true. Many of these kinds of traumas, if you want to call them that, are generational. You know, I mean, as a, a person growing up, I can have a trauma and I can spend my whole adult life trying to protect my children from similar traumas. And that can have such an impact on them, not always a positive one, you know. So <laughs> I do think these things are generational. Um, I don't want you to give away too much of the story and I can see you're hedging not to give away too much. So let's talk about the imagery instead. You talk about the house, the red brick two-story house in England in the 1930s. And all of your imagery there is very evocative of a time and place. Uh, a time and place in particular of white male privilege. Did that come into it quite a bit? I suppose it it does, yeah. In the uh, in the character of the father, it does certainly, mm -hmm. um, and just um, 
and I'm trying not to give things away, but I, I think, yeah, just in the, in the kind of work uh, the mother does in her position in the household. Yeah, definitely. I didn't do that consciously, but I mean, it's just there, isn't it? <laughs> just there. Yeah. It, it comes in very early. Um, you can see it in the first couple pages. I found this with your, the last story that was in our anthologies too, um, that the storytelling is just exceptional. Have you felt that you've grown as, as a, a writer over the last few years? Because each story that you write, the last few actually, I have just absolutely loved. There was the story in, um, in the key of 13 about the musical instruments. That was just brilliant. I mean, it just oh, sparkled. And then, <laughs> there was, yeah, there was the one in a grave diagnosis about um, the off, the uh, not really off world, but other part of the world. It might as well have been off world because they were exploring a region that was taboo. Nobody was allowed to go there. So, yeah, you're just yeah. You're bringing in such such details and such richness into the storytelling. Oh, thank you. Um, it's interesting. I, 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 um, I worked on a book over a number of years and I, I have finished it. It's kind of sitting, waiting for me to do something with it. But I think that really had an impact on, I think my writing did improve through that whole long process of, of um, dealing with the plot and just dealing with, a, a, you know, well, of course, all the things that come into trying yes. to create a, a, yes. a novel. So yeah. I think maybe that had, because I feel it myself that it has gotten better over the last few years, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, I'm glad you see it, and I'm glad that you're not just throwing out false modesty, because it really is, it's it's really a cut above the average. Uh, I don't say that lightly. Um, oh, it's in the you. style, and I think people will really enjoy it and really, really find something in it that, that they can enjoy. Um, but not to not to go on too much on that theme, I wanted to ask you about your novel that you had been working on, because I tell new writers, <laughs> new writers always say the same thing. Every time I write a couple pages, I look at it, I think it's garbage, I throw it away. And I always tell them, well, keep at it, because by the time you get to page 300, you know, or to your second novel, page 400, you're going to feel a lot more confident in your voice. So tell me how your voice evolved during writing your novel. Oh, wow. That's a difficult question, I think. I think it's, I think it's the, um, the, the kind of sustained work that goes into it. Um, I usually have pretty clear images in my mind. Of, of what I'm going to describe, it 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 is a little bit like a movie sometimes in my in my mind. But I suppose it's just the the amount of work you have to put in, and the amount of detail, and just the writing and the rewriting and the rewriting and the rewriting. I found that that was a huge learning experience. Was some of it was that very experience you just described of being sort of in the middle of the book and thinking, well, this is impossible. There's no way I can. I don't even know what I'm doing. But then somehow just keeping going and keeping going. And it's it's almost like it's a very fuzzy picture. And it starts to get clearer and clearer and clearer. And you, mm -hmm. you feel each with each draft, it felt like, okay, it's getting a little bit better each time, a little bit clearer to me. And hopefully it'll it will be to the reader as well. So yeah. It's yeah. really funny when you said that when you're writing a short story, 
you're almost hearing music. And people who are not involved in the arts, they, they maybe don't really get this. And maybe even some people in the arts haven't really thought about it this way. But the arts in general, to use the term generally, they really are of a thing. I know that when I feel stuck in my writing, if I see paintings that I love, it somehow jars me back into writing mode. Um, it's it, For me, it's paintings, like a, a novel or a novella. They're like a painting waiting to be fleshed out and filled mm. in and brought to the front, you know, revealed almost. Um, the way that a good artist will reveal an image. Uh, the big difference being, of course, that a painting, when it's done, not when it's underway, but when it's done, it's got that immediacy that is really hard to find in the written arts. And uh, when you can find the immediacy in the written arts, then you've really got something, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I find there's a lot of crossover between the arts, like a lot of people who write say that, you know? It's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that, but when I think about the process now and sort of what's going on in my brain when I'm working on something, it is like it's all there. Like there's a there's a picture, there's a almost like a painting, mm -hmm. and there's a there's that sense of rhythm or of music. And it, that's very interesting that you said that because yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's what's so hard about writing a novel is sustaining the same image and the same music almost throughout. Um, you know, you've got to have your crescendo and you've got to have your, your fade to black and you've got to have all of that, you know? Yes, and that, when I was working on the novel, I think helped me with the short stories because I really had to work through that whole, um, you know, make sure that I was getting the pace and I was building to something and then yet just as you described, the kind of crescendo and then diminuendo and just yes. that whole... Um, Yes, exactly. What's going to push the story forward? Well, I really am grateful that the Maydams have got you in our group, Rosalind, because there's there's something just that is gem-like in your stories. And I really hope people will come to them with fresh eyes and enjoy what's unique about them. So thank you very much for contributing your story, A Faint Disturbance of Hope, which will appear in In the Spirit of 13 by the Maydams of Mayhem, coming out in the fall of 2022 from Carrick Publishing. Thank you very much, Rosalind, for joining me today. I appreciate it very much. No, thank you, Don. It was a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, I'm really excited about being in the uh, anthology again. I'm very excited about it coming too. Dusty road, a man alone. His vital signs go on hold. And I don't know what you've been told. But the years have turned my eyes gold. And I 
I told you what you told me We'd never be in the same boat for free Yet it rides